Hello and welcome to a spooky season edition of Time to Talk Titanic. I am a devil, as you can see, and with me is Ghostface. <laughs> That's me. Excellent. I love I'm sure so my much. voice sounds excellent in this mask. Yeah. <laughs> if, it, if it wasn't for the really iconic background that you have, people would be like, and I guess also the name in the lower left corner to me, but like people will be like, I wonder who that is. <laughs> is it Sebastian? That's so funny. I love that so much. Um, yeah. So I mean, I'm going to take these off now. Um, oh, just, please. Oh. <laughs> yeah, that would be a shame. <laughs> you know, I'm able to breathe for the whole episode and pure. <laughs> he actually I think... like he he dies of like asphyxiation halfway through the episode, and it's just like I don't know. Um, I just he becomes. Out. Yeah, unresponsive. Um, <laughs> so yeah, so I was kind of, before we hit record here, I was saying to the live stream, which is going on on Instagram, uh, we've got a live audience. Uh, oh to, yeah. I know, very cool. Um, I was just saying, so I've never seen Titanic 666 and I don't need to see it. I just don't. Um, from the trailer, I think we can tell it's... No uh, one. Yeah, it's a dumpster No one fire. does. <laughs> no, no one does. I don't know many people who have. Um, I just think it's, I was saying, I think it seems really distasteful, but there are ways to use the Titanic tragedy in a way that you're, I wouldn't even say you're paying homage. Like, so in one of the Ghostbusters films, there's the scene yeah. with the Titanic, which pulls up into New York and it's played for laughs, but I wouldn't say it's played disrespectfully. It's just no. something that's very iconic and people will get it and it's new york it was it was actually more of a jab at like new york kind of not a jab but like it was a bit of self-awareness um whereas i just think having zombie captain smith mm. yeah you know even because all the other pass the zombie passengers that showed up obviously they weren't trying to be anyone but there was only one titanic captain let, let, we know who it is <laughs> by name <Excellent>. yeah <laughs> And I mean, they could try and get away with, oh, it's not really Smith, but it's like none of the other crew had a beard. I feel like you you weren't allowed to have a beard unless you were the captain. Like you can have a mustache, but yeah. you you know you've got to qualify to captain to have a full blown beard. Um, As it should. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so so yeah, upfront, neither of us have seen it. I don't I have I've, have I not told you that I've seen Titanic. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, right. So, so David's seen it. So that's good, actually. I'm really glad that David was able to come on tonight because, again, as I, alluded to, as I alluded to, David's, I think, pretty qualified to have this discussion with me. So I'm really glad that he was free for it. And he's also seen Titanic 666. So actually, he's done the homework. I'm just fucking running my mouth. Um, yeah. So, right. Okay. So before we actually get into it then, and the kind of moral like ethical discussion of should we do this kind of thing i'd like to hear from you what did you think of the film um so if i may provide context with how i rate things i have this app called letterbox where you can sort of rate movies um and log them so i can see i've seen 897 movies um and i've only given 35 of them one out of 10 Titanic 666 is one of them. <laughs> yeah. It is absolutely dreadful in every conceivable way. It's not really much 
more flair I can put into that. It's absolutely oh, good lord. Like, <laughs> and so if you, if you were being like impartial and kind of having like a, an objective view of it as someone that say put yourself in the mind frame of someone that's not a Titanic enthusiast or doesn't know much about Titanic, would it still be garbage? Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, okay. in, in my head, hundred percent. Um, you know from asylum films which i don't know if you know asylum films but their whole shtick is they did sharknado their whole shtick is pretend to be a sequel to an establishing franchise so you have pacific rim they'll release atlantic rim for example happen <clears throat> that's a real genuine it's a real example so their whole shtick is that and obviously they they're the ones behind titanic 2 which, which i'm sure you've heard about I've seen that, and that yeah. was kind of the red flag. So when I saw Titanic 666 was coming out, I was like, I've been burned once. You know, <laughs> shame on you. Yeah. If, I, if I watch this, shame on me. Like, that's my <laughs> that's my problem. So I avoided it like the plague. Yeah. So, so yeah, this is a sequel to that, because the ship that the movie takes place on is the Titanic 3. Kill me now. <laughs> Kill me now. <laughs> it is. It is that. And it's like... So it's oh. actually, it's a direct sequel to it Titanic 2. It is a 2. sequel to Titanic 2, yeah. But it's a Which is not sequel. a sequel to Titanic 1997 or any other film called Titanic. <laughs> no, no. It's just Titanic 2. Um, yeah. That's frightening. That's really terrifying. Um, I hate that for all of us. So... It's, and it's interesting because I was kind of thinking, I was like, right, how could they have the audacity, the gumption and the gall to do this? But then actually, I was like, well, people have been doing it forever. Like, again, before we hit record, I was talking about, you know, you, you've got coming away from the horror genre, just kind of looking at potentially distasteful or cringe takes on Titanic. So you've yeah. got like the animated films with like fucking like octopuses that save everyone, wrapping mm -hmm. dogs, talking mice. And that was kind of like a, re a knee jerk reaction to like Don Bluth. It's like an American tale, Disney's a little mermaid. It kind of like was merged. I actually on. haven't seen, I haven't seen those ones, the animated ones. Again, well, I feel like if I've seen Titanic 666, I might as well go all the way in and watch them. <laughs> go, go hard or go home. Like, yeah. Why not add two more films to your one-star rated films? Because um, <laughs> yeah, there's, there's two of them. There's yeah. uh, the Titanic. It's got it's got a name. But then there's uh, Titanic. The the legend goes on. Yeah. And it's like yeah, yeah. okay, so you're you're not only ripping off the tragedy of Titanic, but you're ripping off Celine Dion's song title. Like you're just calling it the legend goes on. Like we won't get that. Um, but they're really bad, but I can see why they did it, because, mm -hmm. you know, animation was having such a, like, renaissance, you know, cartoon musicals were making so much money, so of course, some yeah. random film production studio was going to be like, okay, we'll cash in on that, and and they did, you know, they made, they must have made some money from it, and most people in the Titanic community are like, oh, I watched this when I was young, because they maybe already had that Titanic obsession going on. I don't think any kids sought that film out or any parents were like, oh, we should go see that. That looks good, because um, it doesn't. But there's always been films that kind of capitalise off of the Titanic tragedy. Um, 
and I, I don't think the animated ones are insulting. I don't think the Ghostbusters cameo is insulting. But I think potentially Titanic 6, even like Titanic 2, I don't think it was insulting because it wasn't trying to be Titanic. It was basically like Poseidon. No, exactly, yeah. Yeah, it was like Poseidon literally... wrapped up in a Titanic skin. Yeah, I don't know if it needs contextualizing for anyone who might not have seen it, but it's basically a cruise ship that is supposed to celebrate the Titanic by making the Titanic 2, which is identical in some scenes and to the Titanic and then identical to the Queen Mary in other shots because of course it is. Yeah. And I, I, don't, I don't know if that happens in Titanic 666 or if they've just completely gone for a CG model. I don't really care. Um, <laughs> no, but yeah, that's yeah. sort of it. And it does the same route and then weird geographical geological things happen wasn't there like a tsunami with icebergs in it at one point yep. i can't really remember it's horrific it's that, really... that could be you know insulting in a way but i think it yeah. stands as its own sort of entity somewhat. yeah definitely um whereas with 666 it's kind of it's starting to bring like the real like figures into it somewhat um and it's just i, I don't know i think it's a bit icky but this has been happening for a long time, you know, not just Titanic horror, um, but yeah, capitalizing off of the, the disaster. I mean, people might be aware, we've mentioned it before, but the first film about Titanic starring a survivor came out 28 days after the sinking. Yep. So it's not a new phenomenon. I just think it's getting from the Titanic, was it called? Yes, yes, that, that um, was the name of it. Um, yeah, if I remember correctly, because it's been lost now, it's, it was lost in a studio fire in 1917 or 1918. Mm -hmm. um, if I remember correctly, it's not about the disaster, but it's about her recounting her experiences in it. Yes. Sure. It was a short film, it was like maybe 10 minutes, something like that, but yeah. You're right, the synopsis, it's like um, so Dorothy Gibson plays i don't know if she's playing herself or if she's playing like a fictional character even though she was on the ship um, and yeah. but definitely the relationship in the film is uh like fabricated because it's all about like her marriage and how surviving the sinking is affecting her marriage so actually sounds kind of interesting um mm. but it's still it still seems kind of exploitational doesn't it yeah, and like in the promo posters, she was photographed wearing, um, or there were like promo images, because the poster of it, she's wearing like a dress, but she was wearing like a, a knitted cardigan um, when she went on the lifeboat, and she wore that exact same outfit in the film and on like promo images. So yeah. it's definitely cashing in on the disaster like less than a month later um, with a survivor, it's pretty it's pretty tasteless uh, and i'm actually i was really surprised when i found out that it came out so soon after it because yeah. we think of 1912 as being this era of like men and women being so like sensible and modest and not salacious and actually yeah. when when you hear that it's like that's like the exact reverse of what mm. you'd imagine um and I I I was pretty surprised as well, just because of how film was at the time. You know, a, sh a ship sinks now, and we have phones that can oh, let's make our own film about the tragedy or whatever. But back then, you know, how many people had a camera? Not many. Video camera, even less so. And then to film it, presumably edit it, 
mm. in the whatever way they edited it for it to come out less than a month after it's yeah. such a speedy it's a speedy process that it, it just it just shows what its intentions are straight mm. away which is pretty tasteless yeah be. And then, I th so I think the next film after Save from the Titanic was a film called Atlantic, which came out in twenty nine, I believe. There's, there's one. There's there's one there before one, that. Is there one just between those two? Um, uh, it also came out in nineteen twelve, actually. This one. Ah, so, the the German in, one is a, a yeah, silent. in night and ice or in nacht and ice. Yeah, uh, I have seen this one actually. Pretty good. The sets that they make for the wireless room, um, and then they flood it are pretty. Cool. Yeah, um, isn't isn't it built on something that moves? Because I because I feel like there was like when the iceberg hits, it shakes, but it doesn't look like camera shake. It looks like the room shakes. Yeah, and like that is very impressive sort of production design. The whole thing is on YouTube. Um, yeah, I forget the, the name of the channel, but we'll, we'll link it below. However, uh, just be prepared for like motion sickness throughout the whole thing because you're right. It's definitely they've like put it on some kind of device which like moves the whole set and it's effective but then after a few minutes you do feel kind of queasy yeah. and then in the scene where it hits the iceberg it's violent as fuck and like this guy gets like thrown against the wall and what kind of looks like the like palm court cafe-ish mm. kind of um, I mean they obviously took liberties with the rooms they probably just made yeah. generic ship room but they're of... very much just telling the story kind of as they thought it happened like they yeah. they had captain smith uh swim over to lifeboat with a baby i'm sure that yeah, could be that where that it. kind of started um but it's it's been very i guess you know it is just trying to tell the story it's honoring the victims you know it names them um it's you know it is what it is and then you've got nazi titanic which came out like a few decades later yeah again so we'll mention that in the chat yeah, but um, but very much kind of disparaging against the Brits and like not sympathetic in the slightest. Um, but Atlantic, so that came out um a good twenty odd years later, and there was actually a scene which was removed yeah. from the e end of the film because they were worried because by that point, kind of technology. Nineteen twenty nine. Yeah, Atlantic was nineteen twenty nine. So special effects and visual effects had obviously come on a bit um, since 1912. And there was a scene which depicted the ship kind of sinking and people basically dying and drowning. And it was removed because um, they just felt it would be too much um, for people that were still alive and had been on the ship. But then, you know, so, okay, that's good. We've got some moral compass somewhere uh, that we're removing parts of a film that, you know, time and money was spent on. Um, because you're concerned about people who actually lived through that, which I, I agree with. Um, so that, so where did we go wrong? Where, where did it all, like, you know, I just think, um, yeah, I just, where did... 9-11, for example, you've got that uh, Nicolas Cage film. Um, yeah. There's a Charlie where... Sheen one as well. Oh, Jesus, Jesus. Like, Have you not heard of that one? <laughs> I've not seen that one. The Nicolas Cage one, I think it's based on a true story where the firefighters were trapped in like a section of the buildings that hadn't yeah. fully caved in. Um, there's a film called Remember Me uh, with Robert Pattinson um, and Pierce Brosnan plays his dad. And it's oh, set in, 
Yeah, and it's it's got. I nothing didn't, I didn't to even do. watch that one, but my parents were watching it, and I literally had walked into the room at the time where that was the twist for some reason. And it is literally a twist. It's like a love yeah. story, and it's like it's an okay film. It's just set in New York in two thousand and one, and it's a you know love story drama between like Robert Pattinson and this wifey whose name I forget. But um, and yet Robert Pattinson's got like a bad relationship with his dad, and then. Pierce Brosnan, they're not speaking, and then he goes to his office to, to like make up with them, and his dad's late, and then the camera pans out, and you f- then find out that his dad works in the top of the World oh, Trade Center, and it's genuinely like, unbelievable, genuinely unbelievable. It's like, and, <laughs> and it's almost kind of doing what like James Cameron did with Titanic, but at least with that, you know, going into it because the film's called fucking Titanic. Like, <laughs> yeah, if, if you're shocked at the end that. It not only sinks, but that it was the Titanic all along. That's on you. That's how you. <laughs> Whereas people going into the cinema to see Remember Me because Robert Pattinson's a bit of a heartthrob, and I guess Pierce Brosnan is as well. At the time, yeah, he would have been. Yeah. I think you can be a little bit offended that the twist is something that happened within like a, a decade or so before that. Like, I just think it's really tacky. Yeah. Um, but the, th- the, the interesting thing is, if we were to do that now, and it's a period film, and the twist is a person is going on board the Titanic, it's not, it's not as bad, is it, Alan? I think we, talk, we talked about in an earlier podcast about the sort of mythologicalness that the Titanic has now. Mm-hmm. Do that about 9-11, which is very, very early on. You know, I'm pretty yeah. young, and I was alive while it happened. <laughs> Like it, it's just it's I don't know. It's, it, it to me wrong. is the equivalent of say from the Titanic, where oh let's get this survivor and let's make her wear the clothes she wore that night, and it's like I don't know. Yeah, it, very. It just, weird it just shows. Yeah, the the shame button has been completely removed. Um, but actually, the shame button kind of arrived not even in 1912, but kind of like arrived a little bit after it. It was like the excitement was too much. Like we yeah. ha- we have we have to make a film about it, but then, you know, 10, 15 years later, it's like okay, we maybe you know could simmer down a bit. Um, yeah, I just and I I just think the reason that I because I could have watched Titanic six six six, you know, I, I could have sought it out and I could have sat down and just for the walls I could have watched it. Um, if you do want to experience it, we might do a watch along at some point. I'm not promising anything. Um, but. Loretta over at Titanic podcast um, has watched it. Um, she has experienced it firsthand and she had like a watch along reaction thing. So definitely go and check that out. Um, but I, I could have sought it out, but then just kind of out of principle, I was like, one, I feel like I know what happens. I feel like I actually feel like I've already seen it. I feel like I've already watched it and like my, my brain ejected it like through trauma response. Um, Anyone could but- have written it. I mean, it is, it is just crazy woman goes aboard on board every other character is pretty unlikable and then she summons the dead and then the dead show up and then also somehow it sinks i can't remember why but of course it sinks because of, of course, course. <laughs> and then also how, how are you going to summon people that died on a ship on a on a different ship i i, I even think that's stupid like I'm not saying I believe in ghosts or like, you know, Ouija boards and stuff. Although I was like obsessed with like ghost hunting shows growing up. Like, yeah. That was like one of my staples growing up. It was like Titanic and Most Haunted. Like that, that was pretty much what was going on. 
Um, but yeah. But I would I would like that if you are going to do ghosts, let's just be some sort of internal logic behind them, you know? Yes, yes. Um, I'm going to have a quick look at the, the chat and see, because I, I heard that you were also kind of looking at it as well. I'm going to see if there's... Yeah, someone mentioned the uh, Nazi propaganda film. Um, yeah, I haven't seen it yet, watch. but it is one that I, I am very interested in watching sort of like as a historical perspective, because I think it is very interesting, um, these two sort of elements of history coming together. So there's it's... the Titanic, and then years down the line, there's the exploitation of Titanic for a propaganda piece in World War II. I find that very fascinating, and I sort of wonder if that's a thing that would happen now. It's really interesting. The sinking scenes are some like interior... Uh, sets that they flood and they, they're they're pretty cool they're they're not accurate the ships look a lot more grand because the titanic was actually kind of like it kind of toned down the interiors of the ship because the mm -hmm. white star line wanted its kind of clientele to feel like they were almost at home so they wanted the like so the grand staircase that's a room you could see in like a british manor house or something um, yeah you know, it's still, it's incredible, but then you look it's at It's sort of like a, a ocean, sorry to interrupt, but like an ocean hotel sort of thing, you know? Yeah, and like people criticised it at the time for having like single height rooms, and it's like, okay. But then the Lusitania's <laughs> got like triple height rooms, and like, you know, it looks like the Sistine Chapel, and it's it's incredible. So the sets and the Nazi Titanic look like that, um, which is interesting as well, because I think... And you know, German ships were like stunning. Um, oh yeah, they knew how to build ships. <laughs> yeah, they, they, they really, really did know how to build them. Um, I have a feeling actually that um, the White Star Line, possibly Cunard as well, when they merged, they like acquired some German built ships. Um, but I could be. I'll I'll need to look up on that. Um, sure. Well, after World War One, do you mean? I think so. Yeah. That, that, um, I don't want to say 100% certainty, but it sounds about right, because obviously there was the yeah. sort of punishment after the Germans the, were the treaty. reparations, and yes, yeah, so yeah. I feel like I read that recently, um, I just can't remember the names of the ships, but yeah, German ships of that kind of era were glorious, and clearly the sets from Nazi Titanic are inspired by that. Um, there's a lot of anti-Semitism. Uh, Esme might as well have a prosthetic nose on, um, literally like speaking of 666 that's his side profile like it's ridiculous uh, it's shocking and you know he's obviously he's portrayed as being a villain and a coward in like every Titanic film but he's also portrayed as being like really greedy and it's like yeah how did you also manage to squeeze that in like <laughs> where, did, where did that come from um but yeah it's just it's awful but definitely worth watching like I would actually recommend um yeah for all the reasons that that you stated david um so someone uh old shipping lines has said you're blessed that you have not seen it sir uh i feel pretty blessed actually uh having heard from david's <laughs> harrowing experience um john christian said better the devil you know uh than the devil who talks about the titanic yep very much getting steps vibes i like steps yep um shout, shout out to steps i guess um, There's one that says the ex Imperator, a German vessel, was given to Cunard after World War One and was renamed the RMS Berengaria, if I'm pronouncing that right. But ah, that's all okay. we're talking about. Yeah, and we got that was war compensation. That makes and sense. one of our own. 
one of our own. Um, okay, yeah, that that's probably what I heard. Uh, review it yourself, friend of the show, um, who we've been, I've been on his podcast, but I don't know if he's been on this yet. Um, it was something that we were going to set up, but we need to do that. So review it yourself said, oh, I watched 10 minutes of Titanic 666 last night, funny enough. Dreadful. There aren't enough negative words. Um, yeah. <laughs> Corey, have you seen the Nazi? Oh, yeah, that was the, the Nazi yeah, war. That's what prompted yep. that conversation. I still haven't seen it, but I'd love to very interested in in that kind of thing but um in a way that is being done now isn't it um because in hollywood you can't make a movie if you want the american military to be in your movie for them to support it they have to have a big say in the film i don't know if you're aware of this is that um, what happened with um top gun maverick because i feel like top gun Gun maverick i can't imagine it not having the yeah. American army not having a hand in it because I mean I haven't seen it but it's pretty obvious that it's glory you know glorious of, glorious yeah, like, war. propaganda it's like American yeah. propaganda for the USA um, it is it genuinely is propaganda and you know things like I think Ind- Independence Day also is like I'm not sure if they did it or not I think there was an example of a film that decided to not to, to reject a lot of money in order to keep the film sacred i'm not sure if that was but yeah the american military have a big hand in hollywood films that feature the american military and so obviously can't criticize it or be overtly negative about it and is that not now a form of modern propaganda is you know was pearl harbor something that the american military had a hand in the movie pearl harbor true actually now the exploitation of a tragedy from the past modernized as propaganda you know it's and pearl harbor was a actually a direct reaction to titanic because they wanted to kind of have that same you know there's a love triangle it's set in a like a historic period it's even got like faith hill sings there you'll be celine dion was approached with the song and it's a great song and celine dion was like really like (laughs) really like no no um so yeah, Pearl Harbor was like trying to be. T- In fact, Lindsay Ellis, who's one of my favorite YouTuber video essayists, she um, kind of discussed this. I think she actually she did a whole video essay on Titanic, um, and I think the title was like <laughs> "Is Titanic Good Actually?" Because it gets a lot of hate for being very nineties. But then she mentions Pearl Harbor, and she's like, you know, Titanic had Fabrizio, who was like the kind of like funny sidekick best friend and then she's like Pearl Harbor's got like eight and then she goes there's a Fabrizio there's a Fabrizio like (laughs) so all these characters are just basically Fabrizio but like there's eight of them uh so and Pearl Harbor's it's okay but when you watch it if you watch it through the lens of imagine this is Titanic you can kind of see what she means by that um yeah but yeah Faith Hill it's a great song there you'll be um cries that's so, so interesting how it was so sort of obvious with what inspired it. And then as if it wasn't obvious enough, they were like, Celine Dion, do you want to yeah. do a song for us? It's so bad. So bad. <laughs> it'd, be like, it'd be like someone um, starting a podcast called Let's Talk Titanic and asking you to be in it. Like, hey, do you want to be in a podcast? Yeah. And you'd be like, Time to talk that's... Lusitania. Yeah, or... like, it seems a bit reductive. Yeah, but, um, right. <laughs> okay. Um, 
Yeah, so I just, I think it's bad. To kind of, so to kind of tie it into what's happening um, very much nowadays, true crime, and especially Netflix with like... I know exactly uh, what you're talking about. Dammer, you yeah. know, the, the whole Jeffrey Dahmer thing. I, I think it's really... I think there is a conversation to be had because, okay, Titanic 666 is like super campy and it's a horror film and you shouldn't take it too seriously. But it sure didn't take itself too seriously. Definitely not. You can tell. But it does open up a dialogue and it kind of sets the precedent that everything's fair game. And that also extends to like people who were murdered, you know, just a few years before you and I were born. Um, because like the families of the victims of Jeffrey Dahmer have come out like very much against uh, Netflix and um, Ryan Murphy's newest uh, production for them. Um, I watched the first episode. I do plan on maybe watching a few more, but I don't, I don't know if I'm just getting sensitive in my old age, but like, because I, I love, love horror. Like I've got like Final Destination up there, like Saw, Hostel. I don't mind a bit of like gore, like horror, like I don't, I don't mind. But it's something about when it's like when it actually happened, it makes me feel yeah. really uneasy. Like the first episode of Dahmer, I don't know if you've seen it, but I had to like so when you're on Netflix and you fast forward, you can see it playing out. Yeah. And I basically I was like, I just want to know, does this guy that I've just gotten to know, does he survive? And and he does, because the first episode is Dahmer getting caught, and then I'm assuming it will go back and it will, you know, follow the story from there on. Um but I was like, it just feels different when it's like real people. And I think that's why I've got such a visceral hatred for a film that I've never seen, you know, the Titanic 666, because, it, you know, that is meant to be loosely Captain Smith. And I just think that's really icky. Yeah. Um, and also a violinist. So oh, God. I, I, I remembered it just being Captain Smith, but when I Google image Titanic 666, I see a zombie violinist, so... That is now two historical figures that are definitely, you know, you know who they are, you know them by name, you know, you can open their Wikipedia page at any point. That would be like a good good drinking game for this film. Take a shot every time you see someone that could be a real person. (laughs) Yeah. You'd be legless before the film's done. Um, Yeah. uh, Oh, so all tripping lines have said the dad of Dahmer is suing Netflix. So the, the dad of the actual fucking murderer himself is is uh, suing them, so that's you know that's pretty telling. Yeah. Um, I just I just think it's really, I mean, I'd like to go back and see when was the first inflatable Titanic slide produced and sold. You know, when did they start selling them? Even the like the models that break apart, that like you can put them in the bathtub. Like Chandler has two. Um, there was a someone put up a video of their kid at the beach with one. Uh, the other day and all the comments from like grown adults were like oh my god they're so rare where'd you get that and I, I, even that i'm like okay titanic models like model making is such a thing um i was actually i was looking up recently about um when titanic models first were kind of getting made in like the i think it was like the early to late 70s they basically just used olympics blueprints but then uh, when the wreck was discovered, they had to update them because, so for instance, like, because I was doing a drawing of the bow and that was what kind of got me looking at it. So there's two little, well, four, 
uh, skylights above the crew galley, so like the kitchen essentially where the crew's food was made. And Olympic didn't have that. And it's because during, um, and there was also like a chimney thing that kind of comes out from there and goes up behind the mast um, where like the crow's nest is. Um, so also Andrews during Olympic's first voyage was taking lots of notes and clearly the chefs and the crew galley wanted natural light and they needed a way to get, you know, whatever out of the kitchen. And it was because they don't have a funnel there had to be some kind of chimney or something made, which then on Titanic was up at the mast. So, so little things like that that were discovered when the wreck was discovered have been added to models. And I think that's really interesting. I think, you know, having an appreciation for the ship and just wanting to build it and paint it and display it and put lights in it, do that all day long. Do that until the cows come home. But then when you're making little plastic models that break apart, in the wrong place, by the way, that's a that's a little bit but then that that conversation can then spiral to like the the real-time syncing animations like the live streams every year you know titanic animations i think does them honor and glory uh, historical fx with tom linsky should we should we also be having a conversation about the kind of the morality and ethics of that because although yeah. they're educational it's also like, well, in the last one I saw from Historical FX, which had the authors and historians behind On a Sea of Glass helping him, you also had little animated people, which I remember seeing, like, slide off the stern when it breaks and fall yeah, into, like... I remember. The, yeah, and it's like, we, we get that that probably did happen, but do we need to see it? Um, it yeah, I, I think the conversation kind of extends into lots of different areas. Although at least you can see a more sort of educational context behind it, you know, a toy that you can do <laughs> is a bit, <laughs> I'd argue, less educational than this is yes. the Morse code and this happened at this time. And that that is what interests me. And I think yeah. just hearing it as well, you know, hearing all the whilst this boat is lowering and then this yeah. and that, I get goosebumps, you know, all those mm -hmm. kind of things. I, d I remember the first um, real-time animation I watched uh, live stream. And yeah, you're totally right. Like you feel so immersed in it, especially when the people, and I mean this in like a nice way, when the people that are narrating it, like stop talking for like a prolonged period of time. Cause like say they just kind of want to let things play out and maybe there's like bits of text that they don't need to say anything. Um, and yeah, you can just hear like the, the steam coming out the funnels and you can hear the Marconi machine and maybe the cranking of the davits. And it, you, you just feel so immersed in it. And then the um, music comes in. Oh, the music. The, that yeah. zombie violinist, the V zombie brings mm -hmm. out his violin and he starts. Question, did the zombie have his violin on him? Yes, that's how you know. That's how I knew he was the violinist. He, so according to the rules of spirits, you know, you die, but like if both. you come back, you have your clothes on you. And also items that you are holding in your hand, according to the internal logic of Titanic six six six. That is hilarious. Literally, never let go. Um, if you die <laughs> with an instrument in your hand, you better keep holding that instrument. Um, oh, you yes. better you better love that instrument because that is with you <laughs> forever. That's hilarious. Um, yeah, yeah. I think um, the the real time sinking animations they they definitely are like purely educational um but then there is that it's kind of like i've mentioned this before it's kind of our fault like 
the general public who are also Titanic enthusiasts. Like a, a really good example of this is the YouTube channel um, Historic Travels. Yeah. Um, I think the guy's name is Sam that does it. So his channel was just kind of chugging along. And then he did one video uh, where the title was like, were there people alive inside the t- Titanic when it went down? And the thumbnail was, you know, uh, an image of the ship, the stern going under the water, like un- underwater um, and exploding and, you know, and that video blew up and it was getting shared on like every Facebook group, like had so many comments and that video really got his channel. His channel just exploded from that. And that kind of shows, you know, this guy who's clearly knowledgeable and he's talking about all these, you know, different things to do with the ship and the aftermath and the sinking. But then he does one video about, you know, did people's brains implode and were they alive and were there air pockets? Like that that was the video that got his channel to like fucking yeah. skyrocket. Um, the weird morbid curiosity side of things. Yeah, yeah. I, I can't blame people. You know, we all have these kind of thoughts, mm. and um, I think I think the reason we've brought it up before is because of the, the whole nine eleven Titanic parallels that we were drawing. Um, it is a lot of morbid curiosity. Um, yeah, and, really, yeah, yeah. And as much as I say it's our fault, I don't mean that mm. like a, you know, humans going to human. You know, humans are just going to kind of think about like mortality and gruesomeness and. It's kind of what draws us towards these things. It's not necessarily what keeps us there. You know, it might be the engineering that keeps you there or the the people and their backstories. But I think part of the initial draw is the kind of mortality of it, even if you don't have the vocabulary to kind of vocalize that. Yeah, Yeah. I think that is a good point. Yeah, but yeah. That kind of um, that sums up our um, spooky season episode or Halloween episode of. Time I did. Talk I did want to bring up just one thing. Oh yeah, absolutely. We were talking, we were talking about you know Titanic, nine eleven, dropped a bit of Pearl Harbor. Um, have you watched the movie The Impossible? Oh yes. Yeah. So that only came out eight years after the tsunami, yeah. and I I don't think. I could be wrong. I have never seen any criticism about it in terms of sort of being exploitation, uh, being exploit exploiting the disaster, yeah, or having a sort of agenda. And it came out pretty soon after the disaster. You know, lots of people, lots of living memories. Lot, obviously, loads of people who survived that still alive. Because um, was that the the Boxing Day tsunami, which happened yeah, in like two thousand and four tsunami? Yeah, mm-hmm. and then the movie comes out in twenty twelve. So this film, it's a very well-made film. It's got it Naomi Watts, Hugh McGregor, and Tom Holland. I think it's his first film. Um, if one of, if not his first, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and another wee boy who isn't Tom Holland or Hugh McGregor, so it's irrelevant. Um, and there's a scene where Naomi Watts is under the water. And it actually, I looked it up because I was drawing a picture of uh, Rhoda Abbott underwater and it's a drawing I want to return to because I want to do it from a different angle and the scene of Naomi Watts underwater and there's like cars an elephant um people wood trees like telephone poles all under the water like floating past her and she's like 
cut up and she's bleeding and but it's a really beautiful scene um but i'm sure in the moment because it's a true story it's you know two parents and two kids that are separated but they all survived miraculously um and they find each other but i'm sure when she was underwater it wasn't this beautiful slow motion shot and all the the filter they put over it it's almost like a rainbow um it's really mm. bizarre but it's a stunning yeah. scene it's a good image but i mean obviously it would be very violent and dirty you know <laughs> that yeah. is what, if you put a camera and do that underwater you're not seeing anything mm. so i've opened up the wikipedia page and it says that a british survivor thought it was beautifully accurate but that that was a response in critics commenting that the film is overdramatic mm. and whitewashed which I think is a point, because yeah. obviously the perspective is of this, um, what was it, British family or American family, one of the two, in there. But obviously, obviously there were loads of tourists there, loads of tourists affected, but the home countries and the the people that are from those countries are absolutely the most affected. Yeah. Um, not to trivialise the, the damage done to the tourists, but, you know, if you've survived and you made it, you get to go home. Mm-hmm. They didn't because a lot of them lost their homes. And, you know, it's sort of, why do we get this perspective? Is it because the whole family survived? But what about, you know, they obviously meet a lot of locals, but it's mm-hmm. it's not their perspective. And so perhaps that is a point of contention in that as well. I wonder if any of the proceeds of that film went to kind of any charitable causes that were helping with because I remember recently uh, reading something about it was the like Haiti earthquake or something and how there's still regions of Haiti that have not changed and have not been rebuilt since that happened. And that happened in like... Haiti was... Wasn't that 2008 or something? 2008, yeah. Like ages ago. And there's still parts of that that look like they did in 2007. Or was it 2010? Yeah. So, you know... Just twelve years now. Yeah, it's not good, and I I just wonder, like, did any of the money from the Impossible Watch again? It's a very good film, but that's it's. I'm really glad you brought that up because it kind of it's different in that it focuses, rightly or wrongly, on this one family. Obviously, because I think maybe one of them wrote a book or their story was that. I think yeah, might have been might have been a book, and it's also the Impossible because in in spite of all the tragedy, this one family somehow managed to all entirely split up yeah. and all entirely come together and all survived. I think that's sort of why. And mm. I don't, I don't, you know, sort of blame them for taking that perspective, but it is interesting to talk about, I reckon. Oh, yeah, it's super interesting. Because um, that's yeah. what the, the Nicolas Cage 9-11 film did, isn't it? It took the perspective of two firefighters. Yeah. You know, was that the right or wrong thing? Whatever, but, you know, it wasn't... Yeah. The tower or this whole office block or i don't know the charlie sheen film i don't know if they're they're based on any real people but it's about a group of people trapped in an in a lift and all oh. i've seen of it is the ending and it's basically firefighters come and take them out of the lift and charlie sheen is the last one left in the lift and then a mm. firefighter stretches his hand out to him and then you hear the building collapse and then it comes to black and it's like mm, that's oh. a bit that icky. does give me icky vibes. Yeah. Very icky vibes. I think what it comes down to is if you're going to kind of make a film about something, especially that was like within living memory, 
you've like people should maybe take a step back and think right why why are we making this um if it's just to tell an incredible story that seems impossible you know should we be doing something you know like i was saying about a certain percentage of ticket sales will go towards like a rebuilding effort for that region um but then also there's a whole thing about like okay it might make people feel better but do we need to do that you know do movie executives need to do those kind of things and maybe the answer is no maybe they don't have to um and then so when you get past living memory and you get to the point where everyone that experienced that is like dead in the case of titanic um is it then okay to start building slides and making like weird campy horror films and like rapping dogs like is it okay because yeah. it's technically it's not affecting anyone that was actually affected at the time um it's like technically yeah but morally it, like you said it's icky it's like it's, so not... it's like it's a it's a literal water grave that mm. you're sort of building merchandise and selling toys about it's yeah you know feel free because no one is going to contest you on that but also it is weird i haven't i haven't seen a single thing on the wikipedia page maybe i'm missing it about mm. them giving any money away to any sort of charitable cause mm. that's not to say they haven't i'm just i'm not really seeing it yeah we're not seeing it there um yeah definitely that's one that i've never really considered before until we started talking was the whole the, the toy models that like break apart like that's it's really interesting like what why um i guess it's kind of cool and you know but especially boys are like you know carnage and like a ship that breaks like wow like but you know people did die that way um as yeah. much as i was saying it was a bit weird seeing little animated people falling into the break of the ship like people did actually die like that um i, I won't name names but i had someone message me um recently and they were kind of like spitballing uh, ideas for something they want to write and they, they said um as we know um sparks and flames came out of one of the funnels what if in my story or my script um they hit someone and that person goes on fire and they have to jump into the ocean to put it out and i read that and i was really shocked um but I I also got the impression that the person maybe wasn't, you know, you know, they're maybe neurodivergent. So I just replied very diplomatically. And I was like, okay, that's a thing you could write. Uh, no one could stop you. But all I would say is what's the benefit of adding that? Uh, what does it add to the story? Because yeah. a big part of writing is what you don't include rather than what you love. Can't yeah. help the fluff. I've learned that the hard way. <laughs> out the fluff, and and I feel like some poor sod getting set on fire from a funnel and jumping into the sea to cool off is fluff. Um, it is especially because because there's no proof that it happened. <laughs> there's no proof that it happened, David. Yep, you can you can include people slipping into the crack of the stone because there is sort of the idea that it could have happened. The spark fire thing, people would have noticed that. I'd like to think. And I also said to him, it would, it would actually come across as like unintentionally comical. You know, just, you know, how unlucky would you have to be to not only be on a sinking ship, 
but for some random be hit by the one spark that just combusts you yeah yeah and it's like what i just (laughs) could couldn't believe it couldn't believe it but like i said i felt slightly sympathetic for the the person that messaged me and i just said look you do you boo but i i think that's a bad look i and i think you shouldn't do it um but you know like i said before humans gonna human so not gonna human yeah there's uh two questions in the chat from old shipping lines i don't know if we want to do that now or yeah absolutely so the first the first one here is what would your opinions on a movie about the rms empress of ireland be Mm. um if i can be completely and utterly honest Mm. it it has to just if if it's going to exist it has to justify its own existence why are we making a movie about the rms empress of ireland if not to just be like look another cool expensive sinking Mm-hmm. shots what, what's the story of the empress of ireland that we want to tell you know yeah mm-hmm. i think it's really funny like so you're saying like justify its own existence and i was thinking like how did james cameron in 20th century fox justify titanic's existence in 97 actually james cameron very much was like i'm making this film because i can and because i want to dive to the wreck so he was like, oh yeah, I need yeah. to go to the wreck to get footage. And they were like, okay, that sounds expensive. And he was like, for it is, it's fucking expensive. <laughs> and then and then he was just like, oh shit, I've got to make a film now. Fuck. So he wrote Romeo and Juliet and said it on the Titanic and it worked. Um, but it was very much like a child who had you know walked into a candy shop and someone was like, here's all the money in the world, go wild. And he and he went wild. Um but I guess the justification was in how much money it made. Yeah, um, I think. Yeah, yeah, I think ultimately that is how it started. Yeah, but there are obviously elements in the movie that are eventually detailed in sort of treatment of third class and other sort of interesting. Yeah. But yeah, it didn't start off that way, did it? No. Um, but then you've got your Titanic epics. Mm-hmm. What is the need of making one on the Empress of Ireland? Is it? To educate yeah. people on a lesser-known shipwreck, perhaps. Mm-hmm. I'm, not, I'm not sure exactly. Are we not just yeah. doing the Titanic again, but on a smaller ship? I, that's oh, that's actually a really good point. I think every, I mean, look at that uh, Netflix uh, show that's coming out. Is it 1899? Um, yes. And they've kind of used the Lusitania definitely the the style of ship because it's got like that huge back end um and the funnels are like more forward um it just it basically looks like the last tenure but everyone in the comments that i've seen shared it on facebook is like oh it looks like titanic oh it's a four funneled ship it looks like Titanic, and it's like Every film about a ship is just going to be compared to Titanic. Um, always, always. Or, yeah. or Poseidon, depending on how it sinks. There's also going to be some Poseidon. You know, yeah. like I described Titanic 2. If it's Poseidon. got funnels, if it is Titanic, if it's like a modern cruise ship, it's Poseidon. I mean, when are they going to make a Costa Concordia film? You know? Are they? Um, is there a need for it? Or series. There's, there's not a need for it, but then it's can, like, was there can a, anything? A to... Can anything triumph the documentary that was made with footage from the actual oh. ship? You know, yeah, that that was a properly 
But then, so actually a good example of this, Netflix can do really good documentaries about true crimes. They did Making a Murderer. Um, And at first, because they're so well-made and well-crafted, you think that um, Dylan and Stephen Avery did just fucking team up and kill this poor real estate woman. But then actually, halfway through, you realise that the evidence is like non-existent and that the sheriff in this small town had it in for the Averys. And and to the point where after this Netflix documentary came out, Dylan, the the nephew, was like freed. Um, He was exonerated and he was out of jail. But Stephen Avery, apparently there was still evidence against him. But I think eventually in time, he will also get let out. But it's like Netflix kind of messed things up in that regard, but... You yeah. know, the the sooner they can go back into it, I reckon we we might be seeing that. Soon. Yeah, I think I think that will happen. But because you're so right, you know, you've got to justify why we're we making this. Netflix, I think, in that instance, were like, it's a great fucking story, but also we might potentially save two innocent men, and that's mm-hmm. a really really good justification for making something. But then Netflix also are the studio that make Dammer. Yeah, and so and what's the justification in that? apparently none um mm-hmm. you know they said that they wanted to elevate the voices of the victims which were largely black and largely lgbt but the relatives and the community weren't consulted yeah yeah they weren't consulted and they're like actually it's basically yeah. just um evan peter's porn like that's essentially yeah. all, 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 all. it's like ryan murphy's just doing of, a of american horror story fame coincidentally yeah. enough yeah james cameron was like i want to visit the wreck of titanic and ryan murphy was like i want to see evan peters in like a white wife on and jerk yeah. him off like essentially that and that's what it is um if is the voices were so important why don't you consult real voices during the yes. process yes um so yeah empress of ireland if they're going to make anything about the empress of ireland or the Andrea Daria or you know all these count the Bismarck like so many um ships I think they are just going to be compared to Titanic and I also think studios would be scared to touch it because yeah. of that They're, they'd be like we're never going to make as much money as Cameron did so what's the point and these there's like rumors that um Disney wants to remake Titanic and even <laughs> I know I think it's ridiculous <laughs> they wouldn't touch it with a barge but a big part of why I meant to mention this, um, so they can add a Titanic Disney attraction. <laughs> yeah, and and they'll turn Rose into a Disney princess. That's what will happen. But um, a big reason why you know um, they make films about Titanic of all different genres is because it, at this point it's like it's an IP. It's like an intellectual property, like Marvel, like Harry Potter. Um, like Lord of the Rings, it's a very recognizable brand. So you're guaranteed to make some money using it because people will automatically think of the film or they'll think of the very known historical tragedy because it's so synonymous at this point. So actually, it's a very safe bet to use Titanic. That's why Disney is remaking all of their animated films because yeah. it's, a, it's a safe bet. People and it's to keep it. the sort of old copyrights as well and all this. They're all yeah. dog crap. They're all bad. They're all bad crap. But like, and you know, that's why it seems like in Hollywood nowadays, there's not much kind of new adventurous kind of content. Mm-hmm. It's like sequels. It's 
kind of tentpole things like like Marvel, like DC, uh, yeah. Star Wars. It's just, there's not much. We also risk. feature American military. Can I just say? Oh yeah, Jesus! Um, <laughs> it's all propaganda. It, yeah, it just seems like there's no risk anymore, and the the biggest risk that people are willing to take is to use uh, an old tragedy to make a weird fucking horror film. Um, and it's like, no, do, do better than that. Like, there should be, people should be making films or, you know, Netflix, if they were smart enough, would make a Titanic series and do it really well and spend a lot of money on it and tell amazing stories about the people involved and what they went through. But because people are just going to compare it to Titanic, um, they, they don't want to do that. And because, you know, Netflix is a company like any other, if they think they're not going to make enough not money because you know they but memberships like if people are going to sign up or stay signed up for it yeah then they've got just... flagship shows you know stranger things is one of the major ones yeah. um they've got squid game now which is going to have a season two i'm no doubt in my mind that's going to be a flagship show for them so they that's what they're looking for they're looking for flagship shows and they'll make smaller ones that have their own little followings and then cancel them when they're three seasons in and end in a cliffhanger yeah, but they need cliff. Uh, they need flagship shows. Is, is a Titanic story going to be a flagship show for them? Because it it is going to be a big investment. To be yeah. faithful, to look great. You know, these are big considerations because you'll have a lot of nerds going like, "Oh, that sort of wood paneling is out of place. Oh, that yeah. room didn't flood like that," and. You know, that's that's something you have to take on board if you want to do a movie about it or a that, show. That's it. So it would draw people like us in, but and so that's almost why I'm like, I don't think Disney would ever touch Titanic because if they're going to remake it, let's say they, you know, I've often joked about who I would cast as like Jack and Rose. I think Florence Pugh would make a great Rose, and I think potentially Andrew Garfield or maybe actually someone. That isn't white would actually be better. So maybe casting someone that is more of a Fabrizio aesthetically as Jack would be better if he was meant to be like third class. Um, but they just wouldn't do it because they're never going to make as much money. But then actually I say that and I'm like, maybe out of curiosity, people would just watch it to be like, is it as good? Like, is it, you know, what have they done differently? Yeah. What, what scares me is that Disney, absolutely, if there's one company that has the money to try and attempt to do Titanic again, it's, it is Disney. It's no one else. And that's, and if, <laughs> that's a scary you, thought to me. If you look at the Marvel films recently and their special effects, they're shit. So they're, they're so bad. I mean, a lot of the scenes in Titanic, which came out in 97, have actually aged better than some Marvel films that have come out in the last a three billion years. percent. Yeah. Um, it's it's really bad, but because I listen to a lot of these kind of like um, the, the kind of behind the scenes stories of the makings of these movies. And basically, they'll say, right, we're making this film and this is when it's coming out. And they've got to work to that. And sometimes they'll move the release date but and it's happened a lot in COVID, um, which is kind of understandable. But then that means you've got visual effects artists who are trying to do all these like CGI things in a very like set dead time deadline. But then there's script changes that happen like on the fly. So then they come to these people and they're like, we know that you're really busy, but we've just changed the script. So you now need to do this. And that's why you've got Spider-Man looking like he's made of Play-Doh. Um, Marvel is like, absolutely 
the worst culprit in treatment of VFX artists. And I've been seeing a lot of a lot of stuff come out about, come out about that. Um, Avengers Endgame released a month earlier than it was originally going to release. And the VFX artists found that out through a press release, not because they were told by Marvel themselves. And I think that is absolutely insane. And I love that there's sort of these sort of whistleblowers about VFX artists because I think yeah. it is time we start treating them with the respect they deserve because no one is going to a Marvel movie for the amazing writing or the directive oh. voice or the characters because of besides the ones that they've they're used to there's not a lot of good characterization that's very basic mm-hmm. they're coming because it's flashy and there's all these cool lights and there's vfx artists that are doing that they're, yeah. they're creating it they're making it happen and and marvel's going through a bit of a slump now like their last few films have not made like avengers endgame levels of money and i get that that was kind of like the end of a, a whole thing yeah but um but yeah they're just i think spider-man did pretty well I'm not yes. sure about the others. I think Eternals is the one that I can think of that definitely underperformed. Eternals was the expectations. worst performing one. And I thought, when I saw the trailers for that... Visually, it actually is one of the better ones as well. <laughs> I thought it looked pretty fucking cool. Like, And it was playing on this concept of like superheroes being gods, which I think is really, really interesting. Yeah. And I think that's what I like about DC, because DC is a bit grittier and a bit darker, and it, it plays on this whole idea of like, you know them being like gods, um. But yeah, people just didn't fucking show up for um for Eternals, which and with it's such a hard lineup. sell. It is a very hard sell. There is yeah. absolutely no connection to sort of any established franchise. They're all you're introducing. What was it like nine unique characters that you have to now sell to the audience? You have to like every single one of these. Yeah, it's not easy, and it it, it shows in the numbers that it it didn't exactly work out as well. You're probably right. And then with something like Marvel, there's so many films and TV shows. It's like homework. You've got to consume it all to really get it. And I think people are being selective now with what they're watching. So they're like, do I need to watch this if it doesn't tie into the films? Probably not. So then they're just not getting Disney Plus or they're not, you know, yeah, so I can understand that. But I am slightly terrified now that Disney is going to ruin Titanic, that they're going to, because they love a remake, that they're going to just do a terrible CGI version of Titanic and it'll be horrible. Um, I think they're going to make Titanic. I think it is good that the the 90s, 90, the James Cameron version exists because we have something to look, to look forward to now. Because if you look at superhero films in the past, the CGI is pretty dated and so they can get away with making it look slightly sleeker and it still looks good whereas yes. we have a p it's like um the jurassic world movies um they're terrible the dinosaurs yeah, look great though and because the and the dinosaurs look great because they had jurassic park the original staple to look up to and those mm-hmm. dinosaurs look great and if they look great in the 90s we have to make them look great now i think exactly. disney physically if they're going to remake titanic if you're watching Mr. Disney, don't. Um, but if they are, um, they have that template that they have to, at their minimum, match. Yes. So that's at least, there's that. That's so we're going to put that in your pipe and smoke it. Um, <laughs> also, Mr. you know, create your VFX. Yeah. What is wrong with you? <laughs> but, because what is wrong with you? Um, <laughs> oh, God, right. So, John Christian, imagine Mickey Mouse ears on the stern. I am now. Uh, that's terrifying. 
Um, the only good Disney remake was Cinderella, in my opinion. I think it was also the best performing. Um, I think it made a I lot of so. money. Yeah, and critically, it is the best one. Yeah, and Maleficent. I yeah, I liked Maleficent. It was good. Uh, speaking of Angelina Jolie, she was in Eternals, and I thought she looked awesome in that. But she didn't draw in an audience. You know, she didn't bring in those ticket sales. Um, I don't think she was that interesting character. Don't think any of them were though, especially nah. the main ones. There was like two main ones, weren't there? The Superman clone and the one played by uh, Gemma something. Can't remember now. They're, um, like the most. They're, they're great acting wise. They're great, but the characters are really boring. Yeah, and there's no uh, doubt that <laughs> they're drawing a crowd. Um, oh, but John, you've also said, not gonna lie, Netflix would win me back if they made a Titanic show. I honestly think they should. I really do. Um, again it's an interesting one because as long as so it's not like releasing a film you know and netflix doesn't spend money on promotion because they put all their promotions on okay their uh social media which is free more or less and their streaming platform so they don't need to pay for like you know a lot of promotion like cinemas do um so when they make something, they can afford to spend a shit ton of money on it. Uh, like Sandman, I think, is their most expensive show they've ever made. And yeah, I started it, I haven't finished it, but it, it looks great. Yeah, I, and it's, it. I haven't finished it yet. It's so random. Like they're trying to spend Game of Thrones or House of the Dragon levels of money, um, which is smart because that is what draws people in and keeps them there. Um, but they just need to see that their subscriber rate is either going up or is staying level and they've kind of gone through a period where they're actually bleeding a lot of subscribers and um, which is why they're now introducing netflix with ads and um, you can now have netflix with ads which is fucking insane um but this is the world we live in streaming is literally invented to replace cable and now it's becoming cable yeah it's becoming what? cable and it's <laughs> it's shocking I, I never thought i'd see the day where that happened but um so the only way that they would do a Titanic show is if they thought for a second that like everyone like within the Titanic community was going to like come onto Netflix and stay on Netflix. But you can't really milk Titanic for a lot. Um, you know, you could do a, a one-off series of it and they might, but I feel like nowadays one-off series, that's not going to cut it. You want to make a show like no. Squid Game, like Stranger Things, that's it means Gambit was a good one that paid off, though. Yeah, that's that's true. Series. That's very true. Um, I'm not saying that. It looks really good, though. I like Anya Taylor Joy. It's great. It is great. Great story. Yeah. Um, but yeah, an interesting one. I, I like this. Has been a really good conversation. It's um, yeah, it's gone into a lot of different areas, which I think is uh is good because not only have we been thinking about you know should you make these things, but we've also discussed if you're going to why. And how, you yeah. know, how are you going to go about doing it? Which I think is a uh, really interesting. Netflix should just hire me and David, and me and David will, will man the Titanic division of Netflix, um, or Disney, yeah. you know, or that. Um, whoever will... pays the most money, hello. <laughs> Never, you know, I'll trade in my devil horns for Mickey Mouse ears, uh, uh -huh. gladly. Um, Cream isn't owned by Disney, is it? Um, <laughs> Shocking, really sad. Um. If we're okay. gonna if we're gonna end this, I think it would be good to end on a question that I've seen old shipping lines ask twice, uh -huh. as perhaps closing notes, and they ask uh, if they would make a new Titanic movie, what would you like to see? Oh, what a good question! Um, 
Hmm. Personally, I would just like to see them use no fictional characters. So only, you know, characters that were like real. Um, I'd like to see them base the scripts. So have a writer's room that is reading survivor testimony, inquiry notes, um, have people involved like the Cameron film, you know, have historians involved, um, but more recent historians. So don't bring on like Ken Marshall. Um, I mean, you can do it for the laughs because he was involved with the Cameron film, but bring on like the Honor Glory team, bring on Tom Linsky. Um, on a sea of glass team. On a sea of glass, you know, Tad Fitch and, and you know, uh, Kent Layton, like all these people that are like researching it currently and know how it looked. Um, have it be scary? Because it would have been pretty fucking scary. You know, don't have it, you know, there needs I to think be a they balance. Can, they could utilise lighting in a bit more of an interesting way than the Cameron film did. Yes, yes. Like, you need to have your actors and your sets lit, but then you also need to take a step back and say, actually, to create a certain kind of environment and like ambiance and feeling and vibe, it has to be a lot a certain way. And I think when you've got a yeah. white light that almost looks like the moon shining on everything, it yeah. just you know obviously and it's, and it's obvious that the big problem was that everyone needs to be lit, which is just using ship lighting and no moon impossible. But um, I think now that that's happened, they are going to be doing Titanic stuff play with the lighting more you know there's the whole sequence with rose saving jack mm. and the water is neon blue and the corridor is really <laughs> well lit and you know if you have dimming or you know your your red lights as it dims i think you can be really playful with the lighting in a in a way yeah. that is also true to the disaster but also really visually sort of effective and i think actually dramas and stuff are are going that way uh, so I recently watched The Tourist, which um, was, a, I think, a BBC production, and it's set in Australia, and it was starring Jamie Dornan of Fifty Shades fame, and it basically just a guy wakes up with amnesia, and he's in Australia, and it's like a comedy crime thing. It was okay, but my biggest criticism was it was so fucking dark, and, and like even outdoor shots that were in the middle of the day in Australia were pitch black. And I was like, <laughs> I can't I can't see what's going on. But then I took a step back and I was like, well, I'm the guy that's like on my soapbox saying if they make Titanic, make it dark. But then I, I got annoyed watching a show that was dark. So there's a way to do it. Um and I think it's it can be done. But I think and like look at the Harry Potter films. Like as they progressed, they got super dark, like yeah. visually dark. Um but it works because the story is dark. Um, so it's all about like the, you know, the color gradients and the saturation and the contrast, the exposure, like there's ways to do it, but I think, yeah. Don't go one that. way and don't go the other. You need a yeah. you need a banging cinematographer basically is what I'm saying. You need a really yeah. good one who has a great lighting team, bring them as a package together. I think you could work some magic there. Oh yeah, totally. Um, and yeah, and just just tell the stories that actually happened on the ship because there were so many incredible fucking like Lysoller. If he was the main character, like he is in A Night to Remember, um, use him, utilize him because his story is fucking incredible. Yeah, I think if I were to answer the question myself, 
I think, is it too late to make a Titanic epic? I think it might be. Mm. I think we've we've got an old retro version in Night to Remember, and we've got a slightly modern version in Cameron's Titanic. I think trying it again is just sort of too much of a throw of the dice. So mm. if I were to, if I wanted a Titanic movie, I think my main, I think focus on a niche of the Titanic. I think make one about you know I might I might have said this before. Make one on you know the Marconi room. Mm-hmm. Mm. I know I know what was it Tom Linsky made one. But I think you know like a big budget sort of one room drama, which there are loads of. You can yeah. get the dialogue. You know, mint, fantastic film right there. Um, or the inquiry, the inquiry mm-hmm. is very interesting. I know there's a film about that as well, but it's a small sort of like TV film. I think if you make it big budget, you know, get your Aaron Sorkin dialogue there. I think you've got a phenomenal oh. film ready to be made. There's right no there. flashbacks in that as far that go to the sinking anyway, because obviously it's told. I love that. Cal- I think yeah, I've had I had an idea. I don't know if they're making one. I thought I saw pictures behind the scenes, but as like, how cool would it be if you could get like the same moment flashback to five times throughout the inquiry and there's a different thing in all of them. Oh. It's sort of like, you know, oh, it's wow. testimony. It's not all reliable, you know. It, it yes. opens the question, do your research, basically. They open, yeah. open that question on the testimony. And I think maybe if I, if, if I were to throw one other idea out there about a Titanic movie, it would be one mm. about Ismay, because I want to get his name out of the mud, out of the public. I, I want to get his name out of the mud because a hundred or so years later, he is still the coward of the Titanic. And I think that is very, very unfair. It's really unfair. Um, his descendant, Cliff Ismay, I've spoken to about getting on the podcast. Um, he's got a book out about um, Bruce Ismay. And yeah, I'm so on board with you there. You know, I had an idea a couple of years ago now and I kind of like, I teased it and I made like, which I thought it looked shit. It was like an image. It wasn't even one of my images. It was, uh, well, actually, no, it was. So I took photos of like some survivors and some people that died. So it was like Esme, Andrews, Hitchin, Smith, Lytoller, and Murdoch, and, and a Margaret Brown. And I put them, just kind of, I edit them so they're standing like side by side. And I just give it a black background and I put the Netflix logo and then coming soon. And I called it The Impact. And I had people messaging me and they were like, where did you see this? Like, when's this coming out? And I was like, oh, fuck. So I had to be like, no, no. I was like, no, it's like a fan thing. Like, it's not actually happening. But for a good, like, week, people thought it was happening. But an RMS Titanic design has just said, and this was essentially kind of what I was thinking. And it's also kind of what Julian Fellows did in 2012 with the Titanic ITV series. So each episode focused on a different character. And he was using kind of fictional characters. So you didn't know if they were going to live or die because they didn't exist. But I think a lot of people don't know about a lot of different Titanic people like we do but the vast majority of the general public wouldn't so you could get away with using so like Rhoda Abbott who I talk about all the time I don't think most people would know who she was and so you've got a a woman and her two sons who are traveling second class or third class um 
you you don't know that she's going to live and her two children are going to die. Um, and how, what a shock would that be when this woman and two children come to a lifeboat because it's women and children first. And what a shock when Lightoller tells her that her 13 and 15 year old sons are too old. Like that would be such a gut punch to the audience. Yeah. And then for the mum to live, accidentally live, just the same way that Lightoller accidentally lived, the man that essentially sentenced her sons to death. So can you imagine the interaction? That that they, yeah. Yeah, that they might have on the Carpathia. Or if and it's, they don't even... and it's so different to something like their mum dying and them surviving. Pretend this is a fictional scenario because obviously the parent's life is cut short, but it's sort of in the normal order of things for for children to outlive the parents. So for it to be the other way around, two children's life snuffed out whilst the, ma- the mother has to deal with it. That yeah. is like an, an enormous tragedy beyond comprehension. And now blow that up to 2,200 people on board and there are so many stories there that uh, so many talked about. So you've say yeah, you've got an episode focusing on Lightoller and then an episode focusing on uh, Rhoda. You know, and Netflix yeah. they do pretty long series, so you could have like an eight episode thing that each one kind of ends on a different part of the voyage slash sinking. Yeah, they could but even then, cross over actually. Yes. How so interesting we- would it be if you had? A story, an episode following Lightoller, and Lightoller is a character that you you're actually growing to like, blah 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 blah. And then there's just a brief moment where he does, doesn't let these two men on because they're too old, and then blah, blah blah blah. And then four episodes down the line, you find out that these two men are 13 and 15 and have now been condemned to death whilst their mother survived. That would yes. be a huge gut punch to the audience because imagine. You've grown to know and love Lightoller. He's this heroic character in his episode. He is yes. now the villain in another person's episode. And it's, I don't know. Because it's all like, that, there's an idea there, right there. I can totally imagine that. So, like, say, like, episode two, Lightoller, the, the people he's speaking to are off screen and there's a lot going on. And he, yeah, yeah he says that you can't. Just a, there's just a little throwaway, oh, no, no, too old. We're just, just women and children. Ooh, yes. You can barely oh. see them. And then you get that scene again through their perspective. Ooh. And they're, they're kids. Yeah. yeah, they are kids. And they die now as a result of that. And then the last episode is Lightoller and Rhoda getting onto the Carpathia. And like, you know, one's... I mean, okay, Lightoller was vilified as well for kind of surviving. And I think that was unfair because he probably he should have died. Like, it was, a again, the impossible. He yeah. survived and... It was miraculous, really. <laughs> yeah, um, and Rhoda, who again miraculously survived. Um, it's like yeah, having a yeah. Carpathy episode end it would be really interesting. You'd have all these different weaves with the yep. intertwining, ending at different points. You know, they don't all make it to the final plunge. Mm-hmm. But they all, they all end up in this one place, this one small ship. I think that's a really and then people died on the Carpathia. Like, you could have, choose, I, I can't think of one just now, but, uh, you know, you follow a character yeah, through the whole yeah. thing, they survive, and you're like, oh, thank God they lived. And then just to find out that actually before they got to New York, they died. Like, you know, there's there's so much there you could do. Um, you know, we've just a good show idea. I'm so sad it doesn't exist. <laughs> we've just written, hey, well, I've spoken to Jordan about this, and I've yes. maybe mentioned it briefly. 
but I really, 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 really want to do an audio drama, like an online audio drama, because um, you wouldn't need to worry about visual effects, or just sound effects. So you know when you're on the boat deck because you can hear like seagulls or... Yeah, I've been listening to so many Doctor Who ones and the way that the sound engineers play with sound. You know yes. you know when a scene has transitioned. You, you just know by the sound and it's great. And you yep. know, it isn't a person saying, oh, look, now we're in a forest because you hear the trees and you hear the birds and it's great. And I think sound atmosphere is such a good one because I think a lot of the sound engineering in Cameron's film is really good. And now yep. imagine you can't see it, leave it all up to the imagination, and then you hear creaking metal, you hear a, a growing panic, I think. I, I forget, if I thought about it slightly longer, there's a scene, um, it kind of does it twice. So there's the scene where Old Rose says, uh, inside I was screaming, and then it cuts to the funnel screaming, you know, the, the yeah. steam coming out of the funnels. Excellent, brilliant, really good use of uh, diegetic noise to you know transition the scene and then there's a scene yeah. later on where it has the funnels the the smoke coming out of the funnels really loudly as the lifeboats are being uncovered um mm. and again yeah you're right you could have your eyes closed and you would know when each new scene's appearing uh, based yeah. on the sound design and yeah yeah I totally want to do uh an audio drama um you've just hearing your ideas, I mean... Message always... me, message me about it. We'll write some scripts. <laughs> you were always going to be on board, but now you're, like, my right-hand man. Like, <laughs> we... I think this this Lightoller Abbott crossover idea is just... I think is Yeah. There's something in there that is... Oh, there is. It can be very um, optimistic about this idea. <laughs> there, are, there are, like, writer's rooms in big studios that don't have the kind of amazing comeuppance that we just yeah you know in the space of like 10 minutes we just thought of like two episodes of like an eight episode series that is chemistry <laughs> you know um yeah so so that's happening um i've just had old tripping lines say you guys have me hyped uh same same so yeah it's gonna happen and I, it's not easy to make you know it's it would be a challenge because yeah. you've, you've got to write it and then you've got to edit you, you it. need a team of sound engineers and obviously if you have one voice actor with a crappy microphone immersion ruined and so you have to be very precise about things like that as well yes but it's not so, impossible there are there are good fan doctor who audios out there and they're impeccable big finish started off as fans i think if i remember correctly and now they're they're doing think, yeah licensed yeah. doctor who audio stories so you know, if we if That's we don't rush it, yes, it's not it. easy, but it's doable. And if you've got a little idea, a little seed of an idea, just fucking do it. Like you know, <laughs> give give it a go. RMS um, Titanic Design says, "Can I do the set design?" Yes, you can design the sets for our audio drama. For our audio drama, <laughs> um, you yes, um, you can think about what noises would be happening in this room, and then you can like suggest noises. Um, and then if it gets picked up to turn into like an actual a visual drama, then absolutely you can be the uh, <laughs> um yes. Um yeah, I love this. The the impact will become a thing. Um we're making the impact. That's mm. happening. Um I'm I'm gonna bring back that visual, but I'll just take away Netflix and I'll add like the YouTube logo. Um <laughs> that's what I'll do. And it's red and white, so it will look just as good. 
Um, we could be four T studios for time to talk Titanic. Oh, <laughs> what's what's in the four funnel entertainment? That's a thing, isn't it? In, in Belfast, it? four four funnel entertainment. Yeah, we can be the, four, <laughs> the four T's. The four T's and the T's are slanted like funnels. <laughs> oh, see, we're we're working on multiple levels. All cylinders are firing right now. Um, I like the energy. This. The energy is powerful. Oh, right. I need to end this before I collapse. Um, I'm feeling, yeah. I'm feeling <laughs> but um, this has been great. Well, it was it was old shipping lines question that prompted, uh, "What would our Titanic movie look like?" And then we sort of generated about ten different story ideas. Yeah. <laughs> um, everyone who was on the, the the live stream for this will get our like producers credit. Um, producers, <laughs> and we'll, we'll just include all of the names that are here right now. Um, yeah. I love it. Love it so much. Um, David, thank you for for coming on. No worries, I'm very glad. You know, yeah. Sometimes I feel like I'm too quiet, and I'll it's just a one on one. It's forced me to talk more and sort of give ideas. And it's about and it's about film and storytelling. So I could talk about that all day. <laughs> yes, because actually I mentioned this at the start, but why is that? So so when it comes to film, you know, what, what was it that you went on to do? And, you know, so what's your kind yeah. of vested interest? In I this? think I, I've just mentioned it now. I think what got me into it is Doctor Who, but specifically Doctor Who Confidential. Back in the day, if you remember that, which was the behind the scenes show, uh, discussing how it's done. And then when I was in year six, so I'd be 10 to 11 years old, there was a Blue Peter competition to writing a story and then me and two friends did that we didn't win because ours was way too expensive to make <laughs> it was never gonna win but it's like that kind of process and then I went to secondary school and I sort of like deluded myself into thinking I wanted to do engineering for some reason so I went down an engineering route even though I always knew I was more creative and then at A levels I realized I hated it and then in a sudden sort of career jerk, I was like, you know what, I love film. Why don't I just do something I love? And it's film. And then, you know, consuming film, consuming how it's made and all that kind of stuff, writing scripts. That's what's gotten me into that, that yeah. boat. I think we've all been there, you know, myself, I was into acting. I kind of moved away from that, got more into like directing and, and writing. And I've always been into drawing. So I've always been that kind of creatively inclined. But we all have those moments. They can last for years. They can last for months of like, oh, I need to get like a, a proper job, a, a real job or a, a real degree. Um, and there's times I've often said it and I kind of stick by it that I wish I'd become a plumber because they make shit tons of money. Because There's not many people willing to be like elbow deep in someone else's you know, waste pipes, but, um, yeah. and, and that's why they make so much money. But, um, yeah, so we all have those kind of waves of, oh, I need to do like something proper, but then actually it's like, well, no, because if there weren't jobs in creative fields, then there wouldn't be creative fields. And there are like, and okay, if you study film and media, okay, it might not mean you go on to be a director or a, in a writer's room, but you could go on to do something else in that sphere and enjoy there's nothing stopping you from doing it just for fun you know yeah anyone well, can be a writer and a director you've all got cameras in your pockets you can do it you know exactly it might not be your job but there's nothing absolutely nothing stopping you from doing it for fun 
And you well, know, when you know, just for fun, I mean, I was doing drawings just for fun, and then was like, would anyone like to pay me to do a drawing? And I had people actually reach out and be like, yeah, I've got a bit of disposable income, and I want a drawing of this. Could you do it? And I was like, yeah, sure. Like, you know, there are ways to potentially. It might not be your sole income, but actually make a little bit of profit from having fun doing what you enjoy yeah. um and if we sorry not if we when we go on to do the impact um you know that will be on patreon you know because it's going to be something that's quite intensive and needs a bit of backing and i think if it's promoted properly i mean jesus christ if my drawings can make money then our audio drama idea can make money to sustain it and get it going so hell yeah yeah, I mean, look at the hype that the, the chat has had, just talk, just us, like, getting hyped about it. So, yeah, <laughs> if, if we can spread the hype and have fun with it, then, yeah, I think it's possible. Um, yeah, this has been really good. Thank you all for joining as well and for, for taking part. Um, John Christian has said, my first production credit. Absolutely. Um, old Tripping Lines, Guy Stop, you're giving me too much hype. Um all different lanes, this has been a blast. I had so much fun during this. And from the deepest of my heart, it's an honor to be part of this community. Um, yeah, I think, I know, yeah. It's it's really nice having this. I think when the internet is utilized the way it's meant to be, it can be quite a wholesome place and a fun place. Um, so, so yeah, I think it's really good that we've all stumbled upon this community and we've just completely surrendered to our obsession with a ship that sank 110 years ago. It's the way to be. There's nothing wrong with it. We're nerds and we love it. So, yeah. And that's Never be ashamed of that. Never be ashamed. So, yeah. Thank you, David. Thank you. Thank you, all, right. all of you in the live stream. And, yeah. See you next time. Take care. There we go.